Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Good morning, good morning. How are y'all doing today? Hey, I think the kids are back in school. You should be doing a little bit more. Come on, kids are in school. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Other ones have no clue. It is a good, good week. Um, it's also a really good week for us as a church. For some of you that don't know if it's your first time, we have actually purchased uh, the movie theater in Shalot, the Shalot Cinemas. And yes, yeah. So just this week, just Friday, we finally got the permit for the demo. And so cranes were out there. And they were getting ready to demo all of the stuff. Everything on the inside is getting completely gutted. And so we're glad that we finally got that permit. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are you all ready? Uh, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture this morning. Uh, If you weren't with us last week, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, watch the videos. You can find them on Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, But... Uh, we're going to be building on that over the next few months, this whole idea of uh, just where are we right now. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 6, it says this, Stop. Stand at the crossroads. Look around. Ask for the old godly ways. Ask for the ancient paths. Some translations say ask for the eternal ways. And walk in those that there may be rest for your soul. Come on, somebody, some rest for your soul. So last week, uh, we talked about the whole idea of why are we following strange voices? Kind of like kids that have gone to the creepy van, you know? There's always that creepy van, and now we're doing it as adults sometime. Uh, The enemy's out to steal, to kill, and destroy your hope, your faith, your love. And Jesus summed it up. Listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And last week we took some time and we really looked at the way. And this week we want to look at Jesus' statement, I am the truth. But in our culture, like obvious, like most of us know, we've chosen to make our own truth, right? Truth is relative and what's truth for you doesn't have to be truth for me. And we'll just make our own truth. And the truth is this cable is choking me. Let me get it right there. Maybe that'll work. Okay. Full on attack of the enemy right there in the microphone. Body, soul, mind, and spirit. And that is how the enemy likes to attack us. Body, soul, mind, spirit. Uh, To put it another way, your theology, your uh, morality, and your biology. Your theology, your morality, your biology, your body, soul, your spirit, the thing, all of you, every bit of you, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So you're going to have to track with me. I'm going to get a lot of scripture this morning. It's all going to come together. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now one day he asked the woman, Did God really say, you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, for if you do, you will die. To which 
the enemy says this, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened and as soon as you eat it and you will be like God and you'll know both good and evil. And with this, it says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit, she ate it, and she gave it to her husband who was standing right there next to her. Right? He wasn't off in a field somewhere. He heard the whole conversation. He was right there, and then they ate it. And I wanted to look right here to begin with the strategy of the enemy. Three things that he says to Eve. The first one is this. Did God really say? He's attacking the mind, attacking the theology. Did God really say that? I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe you heard wrong, Eve. Did God really say? And then he attacks this biology. You won't die. If you eat this, you won't die. It's okay. And then, and then also, listen, hold on. Is God really good is what he's saying. He's saying like, no, no, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, then you'll be like him. So God's really not good because he's holding something back from you. He's holding this thing because he's not a good God. Three questions, and that's all it took to convince her. Three questions. Did God really say, you won't die, and is God really good? Attacked her theology, morality, her biology. And what is the first thing that happens once they ate of this fruit? The scriptures say that they went, and they hid, and they were ashamed, and they covered up. Again, all three fronts again. They hid from a God who they were used to walking in the garden in the cool of the day with. This, you know, God would be there and they would walk. Now all of a sudden, instead of being there, they're trying to hide from him. Now all of a sudden, they've never felt shame before, but now all of a sudden, there's shame. And now all of a sudden, oh, no, no, th these bodies, we've got to cover them up. Biology, theology, morality, all of these things right here. The enemy's tactics haven't changed for thousands of years. And he's still attacking us on these three fronts. Three things, and the woman was convinced. It is the same story today. And the truth is, we have a very clear theology about who God is. It says it right here in this word. So if there's something that you think about God that's contrary to what it says in this word, you've got something mistaken, right? This word shows us that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And then there's all the questions of, well, our morality, how should we live? And all of those questions are answered in the life of Jesus. So if you're wondering, well, what's right, what's wrong? Well, we look to the life of Jesus. The, the question that, you know, we used to wear all the wristbands, what would Jesus do? Well, it shows us what Jesus would do and what he did, and that gives us our sense of morality and the same thing with our biology from the garden, how we were created along all living things, male and female, naked and unashamed and ruling over all of created being. All right, hold on to that. We'll get back to it. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is in his sermon on the mountain and he says this, beginning, I'm going to begin with 21. Wherever your treasure is, their desires of your heart will also be. Your eye, it's like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. And when the eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. 
And when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light, catch this, if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In other words, that light that you think you have is actually darkness. And it's this kind of, it's this question, statement, exclamation mark, all in one. How deep is that darkness? If you are that deceived, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. If that light that you have is actually darkness, when you're full on deceived, Jesus is saying, you'll begin to call light dark and dark light. There will become, there'll come a time in your life when you've entered into so much deception that the light that God has, you'll say, is darkness. And the darkness that's out there, you'll call light. And he says, like, how deep does that rabbit hole go? And I just got to thinking about that this week. Like, how deep does it go? And in my first thought, well, I think it goes all the way to your soul. But then I had this second thought, and I realized it doesn't just go deep to your soul. It actually passes on to your children. Because what one generation accepts, the next generation embraces. Let me say that one more time. What one generation accepts, the next generation embraces. And if you're a parent in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's those things in your soul, and then you're getting mad at your kids because you see you in them. And you passed it down. Even if they didn't see it, they got it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You're mad because they're acting just like you. And Jesus is like, there'll come this point, listen, all of this, where you'll, you'll, you'll live in this world, and you'll be so convinced that light is dark and dark is light. You'll try to convince me that McDonald's is good. That's deep darkness right there. You'll try to convince that Domino's is a real pizza. It's not. It's not, people. Jesus goes on in his sermon, and then he says, consider the birds. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, let's actually consider some birds this morning. But we're talking about Jeremiah and his day, so let's consider some birds in Jeremiah's day. Remember, you're going to have to stay with me. It'll all come together at the, end, at the end of the day. A little background on Jeremiah. Jeremiah is this prophet. He's called by God. He's sent by God. Uh, things are happening in Jerusalem. The temple is being restored. Josiah has become king. And there's renovations happening to the temple. So all of this thing's happening to the temple. They're fixing it all up. They're dusting off all the shelves. And in the midst of renovating the temple, a book is found. And they realize this book is the book of the law. It's the book of Moses. And they're like, oh, we've been doing things all wrong. Which begs so many questions of what were they doing all the time without the word of God. But anyway, you know, they find it, and then, and then Josiah's this good king, and all of a sudden, restoration is happening. Man, there's a revival happening in Jerusalem. People are turning back to God. But on, a lot of it is happening just on the outside. And, and things start to look really good. The economy's looking really good in Jerusalem. There's not a whole lot of wars happening at this time, so there's kind of relative peace and the, the temple's starting to look again. They're getting rid of all the idols. They're getting rid of all the shrines, all of these things that God said to do. They're following the law. But then time goes by. 
And, and Josiah has these two other sons, the next two that would come after him. And all of a sudden, things start being reintroduced into the culture. Idols start coming back in again. All of this worship of other gods. All of these things start happening. And God sends Jeremiah to prophesy into this nation of saying, hold on, people. I know you think everything is good and well. It's not. It's like you're looking the part on the outside, but I see your heart and it's filthy. Turn, repent, do all of these things. And Jeremiah is prophesying this to a people who do not want to hear him. They don't want to hear anything Jeremiah has to say. Why? Because times are good. People got money in their pocket. The crops are doing well. Things are happening. And we are just comfortable. And I'm here to tell you, this just isn't the uh, uh, one story from thousands of years ago. It is the same story over and over and over again. Let me make it even more simpler. When things get really good, we turn away from God. When things get bad, we turn back to God. Every time, every culture, every civilization, doesn't matter if you're black or white or American or European or African, all these people, it's the same pattern throughout all of history. And it's, it's happened, and this is what's happening, and Jeremiah's prophesying into that. And these people, during the good times, we have this thing where we convince ourselves where we are okay without God. And we think that God is okay with these idols, because after all, in that day, we won't die. There's no, there's no immediate consequences to doing what we just did. We could eat this apple, and we didn't die, but we died. And we start to believe all of this stuff on the outside. And the, the, the prophet is prophesying into this, listen, all of this that you're calling light, it's really darkness. And it goes deep. It goes all the way to your souls where you're calling good evil and evil good. And the enemy is here, right there, attacking theology, biology, morality. And we're convinced that we know him. So we're considering the birds. First bird in Jeremiah chapter 8. He says this, Jeremiah 8, starting with verse 4. Jeremiah said to the people, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, don't they get back up again? And when they discover that they're on the wrong road, don't they turn around? Then why do the people stay in their self-destructive paths? Why do the people of Jerusalem refuse to turn back? Why don't they turn around? Why don't they repent? They cling tightly to their lies, and they will not turn around. I listen to their conversations and I don't hear a word of truth. Like, could you imagine that? God's saying, listen, I'm listening to everything you're saying, and none of it makes sense. Not a word of truth. Is anyone sorry for what they're doing? Does anyone say, what a terrible thing I've done? No, nobody does. All are running down this path of sin as swiftly as a horse galloping into battle. Now catch this. Even the stork that flies across the sky knows the time of her migration. As do the turtle doves, the swallow, and the crane. They all return at the proper time each year, but not my people. They do not know the Lord's laws. I am willing to submit to you that this morning that we do not understand the times that we are living in. 
we don't understand the times. We've grown comfortable with our sin. Truth is relative. And we don't care that we are going down the wrong way. It's the way that we want. And Jeremiah is saying, look, creation itself understands the times. When it gets cold, these birds move to Florida. Y'all, because it's going to get cold in Jersey. The birds know that. The cranes know that. The storks know that. You don't know that, people. And isn't it funny how we will try to defy the times? We will try to act like, like oh, no, no, no. That, that ain't really how it is right now. You're going to end up frozen. Or you're going to end up in Miami trying to wear a double-thick puffer jacket. And you're going to sweat to death because you don't understand the times. It's saying like even the birds understand this. Listen, if you fall down, why don't you just get back up? If you've made mistakes, just get back up. And my God, people, if you're going the wrong way, just turn around. Do you all remember that? Uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Remember that movie, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Yeah, okay, I didn't date myself because you all know it. Uh, if you're under 30, what? You know, John Candy, uh, Steve Martin. Yeah, I probably I can't recommend the movie, but um, it's a good movie. Uh, there's this moment in the movie where John Candy and Steve Martin, I believe John Candy's driving, Steve Martin, it's night, you know, it's probably one, two o'clock in the morning, I don't know, it's midnight, and they're driving down the road just having a good time, trying to get to where they're going, and all of a sudden there's this car on their right-hand side that begins to honk the horn and yell at them, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. Turn down and they roll down the windows. And you're going the wrong way. And to which John Candy looks at Steve Martin and says, This, how could they know which way we're going? They've been drinking. And so they just start laughing at him. <laughs> yeah, going the wrong way. And they're just laughing. The people are like, You're gonna kill somebody. You're gonna turn around. And, and, and then just is there, <laughs> rolls back up the window. Steve Martin begins to look like, boy, they're on that side of the highway. And all of a sudden, these, uh, these headlights, big word, <laughs> start coming towards them. And as they stand there, they realize they're in the wrong lane completely. And, and they go right in between these semi-trucks and then, just, oh, we're going to die. That's what Jeremiah is saying here. You're going the wrong way. But how do they know which way we're going? Because if truth is relative, I could do what I want to do, and you could do what you want. You're going to get somebody killed. Right? That's, what, that's what's happening in this moment. And I'm telling you, church, if we keep going this wrong way, we're going to get somebody killed. We have to be a people who know the times, who understand the times. And, and please, for some of y'all, like, take this with as much grace as I can give, like, Everybody, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's not. It is not. These are not the bad times. This is the good times, people. These, like, oh, the society and culture and so and everything's going to hell. You're wrong. These are the good times. How do I know that? Because it's in the good times that we turn our back on God. It's in the bad times that we find ourselves repenting. And falling back to God and to his grace and to his mercy. And God, we need you. And Jeremiah begins to prophesy. If you don't, like, these things are going to come. There's going to be an attack from the north. All of this stuff. 
See, we, like, we, don't even, we don't even have a clue. Like, I'm telling you, a generation from now or two will look back and they'll say, they don't know how good they had it. I mean, literally, I could, and Amazon will deliver it to my door tomorrow. These are the good times, guys. The problem is we've forgotten God, and we began, just like Jeremiah's day, we began to reintroduce idols, reintroduce things into our life that God said, no, no, no. When you eat these things, you're going to die. All of, all of these things are happening. And as your pastor, I, I don't want to use the word afraid, but like, I'm a little afraid that we're not prepared for when things get bad. We're not prepared for when... Man, have you read Revelations? Right? I mean, we say we believe all that. Are we ready? Because here I look at the church and I look at our thing, and I just look how the enemy is attacking body, mind, spirit, theology, uh, uh, biology, all these things, and how man, just so many of us are giving into it. I, I look at our discipleship, and, and please, like, for some of us, if the only time you get fed is Sunday mornings, you're going to starve to death. You are. Like, you have got to get into the Word of God. You've got to know Jesus. You've, you've got to be able to, man, if pastor just didn't bring it today, well, you find it yourself. You go home and find it because you need some nourishment. You need some Word in you. And I'm going to do my best to give you everything I got, but it ain't enough. I mean, I just, I need some more Jesus. Everything I could get of him. It's a, a tax our, our body attacks our mind, attacks our spirit. And I just look about, like, we think about all these things, what it would take to take down the church. Look at what happened in COVID. Church, we attacked each other. We attacked each other not over some big theological debate. We attacked each other over a mask. I mean, we got people that were just angry and are still angry and are bitter and mad because you wore the mask or you didn't wear the mask. Like, all it took was a mask to make our faith crumble. A mask! And we were just, we were just ready to kill each other. And the enemy, I think, was just sitting back the whole time like, yeah, I got him. Body, mind, spirit. Consider the birds. Do we know the times? Or are we traveling down a wrong road? Bird number two. I want to read this one. I love how Eugene put it in the message translation. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 11 says this. Like a cowbird that cheats by laying its eggs in another bird's nest is the person who gets rich by cheating. When the eggs hatch, the deceit is exposed. What a fool he will look like then. And, and I, really, I just thought, man, that cowbird is a shady bird, right? Lays his eggs in another bird's nest. Lets some other bird do all the work for it. And then once that, that thing hatches, going to roll up like it's, that, oh, no, no, I want my baby back now. Let that other bird, I mean, you think the other bird would be like, come home and see like, that egg don't look right. <laughs> little egg, little egg, little, big egg. No, no, bird don't ask itself that question. It just sits on the eggs. And it's interesting that this particular verse that Jeremiah is actually talking about stolen wealth. 
And, and Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 5 is talking about uh, wealth right there and tells us to consider the birds. And it's basically this idea that like, you know, stolen wealth, you're going to end up broke. All of this, all this stolen wealth. Um, when we try to let other people pay the price that we should be paying, come on, somebody. See, Jeremiah is using this parable, like, don't be like this bird. Don't let other people do the work that God has called you to do. Let me say that one more time. Don't blame somebody else for them not doing the thing God told you to do. Stop making excuses because this person or that person or my mama or my daddy or my pastor or my best friend or my spouse or whatever, God has called you to do that. Stop trying to lay your eggs in somebody else's nest. This is a shady bird. Now what's interesting, actually let me get back to that. When truth is relative, we will use any means necessary to get what we want. When truth is relative, we'll use any means necessary to get what we want. And what we want is to not do the work. Come on. See, I, I want everything that Paul had, but I don't want to pay the price that Paul paid. I want all, man, Jesus and, and Moses, and Aaron, I want to have that ministry. I want to do all these things. I want to do man, what Jeremiah did, but I don't want to pay the price that Jeremiah paid. At the end of the day, come on, who's with me? You don't want to do the work. I want to lay that egg in some other bird's nest. And God's saying it doesn't work that way. Now, what's interesting about this particular portion of Scripture is uh, scholars actually talk about how uh, the bird isn't particularly named in the, the Hebrew and how it's worked, and it was actually a parable of the day. And so there was two different, uh, it was two different type of birds. So there would be a bird that would go and lay its eggs in another bird's nest, allow them to do the work. But then there was also this saying that the bird would go out and steal other birds' eggs and bring it back to their nest and hatch the egg as if it was their own bird. And so it was kind of, it was a parable for the day that the people would use and they would say, and both of the interpretations mean the exactly the same thing. You can't get the results without paying the price. Because once the egg hatches, it will be known. Right? Let me put it this way. There are lessons that you're going to learn in the struggle that you won't learn anywhere else. There are lessons that you have to learn in the struggle and some of us are, God, well, why did this happen? Well, why did that happen? There are lessons in the struggle. You ain't going to, you can't just read the book, y'all. You can't just hit, like, there's something that God's going to teach you in the midst of that. I just think it's time that we get to work. No more excuses. Lay up our own treasures in heaven. Understand the times and do the hard work. The third and final bird for today. Jeremiah, chapter 49, says this in verse 16. You've been deceived, by the fear, and by fear you inspire in others and by your own pride. You live in a rock fortress and control the mountain heights. 
But even if you make your nest among the peaks with the eagles, I will bring you crashing down, says the Lord. We begin to use fear as a form of manipulation, inspiring others with our fear that they may fulfill our own agenda. We use fear to say, do it my way. Like, Lucas, this was written thousands of years ago. We don't do that anymore. We don't use, we, we haven't weaponized fear in politics. Never see that happen. We haven't weaponized fear in the church. Come on, somebody. Weaponized fear even in our marriages with our kids, trying to use fear as a tactic to gain our own agenda. Let me make this really clear. That is not the ways of Jesus. Jesus did not use fear as a weapon or a strategy to get you to love him. Now, Jesus is very clear. Listen, like, there is hell, and it's a bad place, and you don't want to go there. There is death, and there is life, but all means choose life. I'm, not, I'm trying to fear you and scare you into loving me because that doesn't work. You can't scare somebody into loving you. Jesus said, no, 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 like, oh, I love you. And I'm willing to die for you. And all this is available. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And it's available. Come on in. And he's very clear. But his fear is not a weapon to manipulate, to deceit. Because when we begin to use fear as a way of manipulation, oh, how deep does that darkness go? Oh, how deep does that darkness go? The prophet goes on to say, you make your nest high among the peaks with the eagles. You live in these fortresses, but I can bring it all down. I was reading this week about some eagles, and the eagles will make their nest high up into the rocks and into the cliffs, and, and the eagles will have their eggs and have their little babies in these, these, uh, uh, these homes that they've built, and they've taken, and they've lined their nests with all of these feathers and all these soft things, so that way when the little baby eagles are born, they're born into this environment. It's just soft, and it's comfortable, and then, then the mama bird will go, and they'll go, and they'll get some food, and they'll bring it back to those little baby eagles, and they'll just drop some, some food for the eagles day after day after day. But then one day, come on, somebody, mama bird shows up, and baby birds think mama's had a bad day because mama's ticked. Mama comes up to the bird's nest, and she starts fooling with her beak, and she starts flinging all of the feathers out of the nest. And, she's gone, and all the little baby birds are over there in the corner like, oh, what'd you do? What'd you do? It was your fault. It was your fault. And then, and then the oldest always goes first, so Lucas has to go to the end. And then Mama Bird just kicks him out the nest. And he falls like 5,000 feet to the ground, and he's going to die. And then the other little birds are, what did he do? I know, I told him he shouldn't have done that. And what did he do? And he's falling, he's falling. And then somewhere he'd be, oh, I've got wings. And then Mama Bird comes back to the nest. It's the middle son's turn now, <laughs> right? And then you got the baby all by himself. Oh, I'm the good child. And then Mama Bird kicks that bird out the nest too. See, if we're not careful, we can think that God is angry with us. But what God's trying to do is, listen, I've created you to fly. 
And you've got to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. And you've got to get out of this nest because I put something on you and those wings aren't just for you to sit around. You've got to move with me. And sometimes you're blaming God because you got, why have you made this so uncomfortable so you can learn how to fly? Come on, we come to church on Sunday mornings and this is real comfortable. But I'm telling you, Monday morning when your boss is cussing you out, come on, it's time to learn how to fly. It's time to learn how to fly. God's tearing up the nest for a reason right now. And it isn't because he's mad at you. And with those three things, it says Eve was convinced. Did God really say? It's three questions that I still want to ask you today. Did God really say? Like, either you're going to believe this word or not. It's that simple. You're either, there's going to come a day, Billy Graham tells the story, there was this moment where he just went out into the woods by himself, and I'm either just going to believe every single word of it or nothing at all. There's no, no, uh, I don't know about that part. Let's get rid of that. Like, there's some hard stuff in here, y'all. There's some stuff that I particularly like, oh, God. But it's either the way that God has for us. It's him saying, it's my way, my truth. Did he really say or did he not? And that you, you won't die. Surely you look like you got it all together. Your neighbors think you're awesome. You're the bomb. But let's be honest. You're dying on the inside. There's somebody in this room that everyone thinks that you're just and you're dying. You're holding on by a thread. And nobody knows it, but God does. And the last one is this. Is God really good? Even when he tells you and he puts up boundaries and he says, don't eat from that tree. Even though it looks good, the tree looks really, really good. But either do you believe that he's good and he has your best interest in mind or not? Or are you just going to keep eating from that tree? Repent. Is he good or is he not? Is he tearing up your, your nest for a reason? Maybe it's time we learn how to fly. Maybe it's time that we stop letting someone else hatch our eggs. Maybe we've gotten comfortable in the nest. Maybe we need to understand the times that we're living in. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. Because catch this, you'll love one and you'll hate the other. And there'll come a day where those two will be at odds and you'll have to make a choice. Christianity, at one point in our country, was embraced and loved. And it moved from being embraced and loved to being tolerated and ignored. And there will be a day that'll come where it'll be full on fought against. And to be called a Christian, you'll be called a racist and a bigot and small-minded and you're not progressive enough and all of these things and it will happen. Actually, just this week, we were looking for some software for the church, for, for the team just organizing some of the uh, uh, projects that we had coming on and, 
And usually with a lot of bigger companies, they'll have a for-profit pricing, or non-for-profit pricing. And so I always, like, you know, I'm trying to find the deal, trying to find the best deal. And I'm looking uh, for this particular software, trying to find, and then, and then I'll, I'll click on for the non-for-profit pricing to compare and see. And I'm not joking you. This is the first time I've ever even seen this, but multiple times on these companies' websites, it says, yeah, we do the, these, things, these things for nonprofits except churches. Except churches. And then there'll be little, little asterisks. This wasn't once or twice. This was multiple different companies. And because the church was being labeled as being non-inclusive or whatever reasons that they had. And, and we don't endorse that. And so we won't give you you're not part of our nonprofit pricing. And I just thought to myself, it's just one more little drip that the enemy's using. There will come a day. We've got to understand the times that we're living in. If you will, please stand to your feet and ask the worship team to come back up. The battleground remains the same. Your body, your mind, your spirit, your theology, your morality, your biology. The enemy is going to have you question all of these things. Who are you? Your sexuality, your gender, how you should live, who God is. Is he really good or not? I'm asking you to bow your head to close your eyes. Lord, just this morning, as we gather and we consider the birds, Maybe some of us have been serving two masters. Some of us have been listening to some strange voices. That question, is God really good? Did he really say, you won't die? Lord, for the areas in our life in which we've called darkness light, we repent. Help us to turn around and get on that right road. You are the truth. You are the way, and in you we find the life that we've been longing for. In you we live and breathe and move and have our very being. And God, in this moment, as you tear up our nest, we know it's for our good because you're gonna teach us how to fly. Holy Spirit, come. Fill hearts, fill minds. Your conviction that doesn't bring us to condemnation but brings us into just this beautiful love and grace that you have for us. Words whisper to us of your great love. Oh, how you love us. There's death and there's life. Choose life. Even right now, just in this moment, there's some that you feel like you've been on this roller coaster, been up and down. And <laughs> Here's the thing I, I'll kind of say about being filled with the Spirit of God. You're filled, but you're being filled because you leak. And God, we need more and more of you every day. 
His mercies are new every morning. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you say, you know what, Jesus? It's yours. I surrender. If that's you and you're in the room with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I'm just asking that you put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. And just want to join with you in a simple prayer of surrender to Jesus. Is there anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If everyone will please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, God, I surrender. My life is yours. I am yours. You are mine. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen and amen. Guys, can we give it up? We had someone in the room this morning that gave their life to Jesus. Come on. Come on. That is the biggest miracle. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.